Hello and welcome to Boxing Bullshit. I'm your host, Alex Diaz, along with my co-host. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So it is January 15th, 2021. Got a few topics we're going to go over. Kovalev testing positive for synthetic testosterone. Broner making a comeback. Manny Pacquiao either negotiating with Conor McGregor or Errol Spence. The debate between who would have won between uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., versus Floyd Jr. And then we'll do some, at least I'll do some quick picks on this week's um, football games. So let's yeah, go. Yeah, sorry about the football. I can't help you there. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's over, not, I wouldn't say overtaken baseball as America's pastime, but I, I can't believe you don't like football. I just, it's, it's I know. Yeah, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right though. All right. So, first topic Kovalev. Uh, tested positive uh, during a VADA test for synthetic testosterone. Um, he I... is, yeah. <laughs> so he like he is towards the end of his career. Um, it's no secret. The only reason I think he even had a fight lined up with DAZN is because it was part of the deal for the Canelo fight. I, like, yeah, I know he was in trouble with that too because uh, apparently he was live streaming the Canelo fight on, on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So he yeah, was already so... in hot water with that. Yeah, so he, he was pretty much, yeah, because they, uh, they weren't sure how, but they said DAZN um, wanted to do something about it. They wanted to address it with him. Um, I'm not sure if they sent lawyers over, whatever, but I, th- I thought the punishment would have been somehow trying to figure out how to get out of that contract. But right. um, he still had that fight lined up, and I, I don't know, man. Like he, This, I wouldn't worse part of his character. I think outside of the ring, um, a few things have popped up that have kind of put him in hot water um, oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean like right like allegedly sexually assaulting um airline like ladies that you know <laughs> while on airplanes <laughs> punching women um in cabins and yeah. now this so it's i mean this is probably maybe the least of his worries but nonetheless positive I, I- for a banned substance Go ahead. Never a good thing. I, I was looking forward to seeing Beck the Bully do his thing, though. Yeah. the I, I just, I don't see Kovalev as really, I mean, being able to do much now. You know what I mean? I think I think he's just he's a name to get other right? fighters over. Yeah, he, like, so, I I see, like, unfortunately, we never got to see um, what we really wanted um, as far as him versus Superman, and I, I think I'll always feel like we were robbed of that so like adonis stevenson and him would have been a perfect matchup seven years yeah. ago and that just never materialized and then obviously stevenson you know he got hurt in the ring and it was really actually scary but we never got to see like that really great matchup um his to me his, like i was at the first kovalev ward fight and i actually was one of the very few people who thought andre ward won from as the way I saw the fight was, uh, you know, after the knockdown, um, Dre working himself back into the fight. But Kovalev was always an exciting fighter, always had power in both hands, and he always did have pretty legit um, boxing skills. I think the, his big, his biggest downfall as a fighter was the fact that he liked to train his way, as opposed to allowing his trainers to not just motivate him, but pretty much teach him and to keep in focus while training yeah good, I, good I, fighter I bad student 
yeah, really good fighter. And yeah, as a student, oh man. And then, I mean, he, I remember when he was with uh, Abel Sanchez, right? So like he had this crazy offense and the way he's like, or the early part of his career was going, was like, wow, this guy's he's special. Right. And then people were like, damn, he's like the most avoided, avoided fighter. Um, he himself hurt uh, someone in the ring uh, years back. And usually fighters aren't ever the same after that. And the interesting thing with Kovalev was that he actually seemed like he got meaner. So that, that was, I felt like a difference with him. And just, I always thought that it would have been whoever landed first between him and Donna Stevenson, whoever, like whoever really landed a big punch, I thought would have um, put the other one out. But we, unfortunately we never got to see that fight. Yeah, one of those what could have. So now if the fight did go, who did you have winning? Between Kovalev and Stevenson? And uh Melkuziev. Oh. Uh no, I have I don't I don't think Kovalev has a chin anymore. I think that's been as big as I think anybody um within the top five will beat him. Did you see the I guy think, was still top, trying to fight I, him? I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he said yeah, go ahead and let him be on, you know, but that's that's a young fighter. I I don't it's still not wise, you know what I mean? So I Kovalev, the last thing that a fighter loses is power. So Kovalev was always going to have a fighting chance. The only issue is that his chin's done. He's like the way Canelo knocked him out. Yeah, he put him I mean, Canelo knocked. You know, yeah. So like, how is it that Canelo could knock him out but couldn't knock out uh, Callum Smith? Right. You know, what I'm saying like Kovalev's chin is just done, and Canelo was getting outboxed most of that fight, and he just sat on one, like pretty much sat on a couple of punches and then put him out. So I, I really don't think uh, Kovalev really stands a chance with anyone in the top five at uh, light heavyweight. But um, as far like, and as far as like the, uh, who knows how long this is like suspension will be, Like he's definitely going to be suspended. I'm not like, I'm not certain if it's going to be like six months or a year. And it just, at 37 it just years back. old. That's just, yeah. yeah. And like I said, I wonder and, if that uh, was on purpose or some type of, well, I just want nothing to do with the zone. They're trying to sue me anyway, or, what was going to happen? Who knows if they were going to hold his purse instead of suing him? I don't know. Uh, see that? Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure that would it would have been either. And I honestly, I don't think he did. It, like, I don't think that he purposely ruined a chance at. Like, I I believe he was guaranteed like 1.5 or 2 million dollars. I thought that's what the purse was going to be, but I definitely don't think he would want to throw that money away. Um, he. I think he's just one of those fighters that you know certain guys get to a, a certain age and he who knows whenever someone gets popped for peds or any kind of banned substance you part of you has to wonder if they've ever taken that before right or something similar or cheated the system somehow had they gotten away with it on yeah, any yes, other exactly. impressive win is less impressive automatically because you have uh, that wonder yeah so th there is that wonder and, and i guess sometimes like Maybe, maybe we we pick and choose who we are really critical of, right? Because there's always been suspicion about, like, Pacquiao, about right. Marquez in the third, fourth fight, um, about Canelo with the clombuterol and, you know, the tainted meat and all that stuff. And so it does, it does, it does make you wonder. And it, it look, you look at fighters differently. Right. So with Kovalev, I, I don't know that, um, I don't know that it, it's the first time he's ever taken it. Even if it even if it was, uh, I think maybe it was just him trying to hold on to some part of his uh, glory and to his skill set and his 
um, biggest advantage, which has always been, you know, his power punching. Um, but he's also, he's fought differently over the last few years where he's tried to be more of a boxer, maybe to uh, lengthen his career. But it, it's just sad that, um, you know, he was willing to take something that would have boosted his uh, offense that could have hurt somebody else. And I think that the commissions have to take a really close look at that. And the sanctioning bodies do too, because how do you easily accept, hey, you know what, this guy's going to, you know, fight for an interim title or, you know, uh, some kind of eliminator, knowing that they could be on a banned substance just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Right. Especially considering that, that Melkusiev was moving up in weight to try to match him. So he already had the weight advantage. And then to, to do something else, I mean, at the tail end of your career, that's, you run the risk of that being what you're remembered for. And it's a shit way to seal your legacy. Yeah, no, it really is. And I just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think we'll, um, once we hear any kind of update, we'll just go ahead and delve back into that. But like that, that was part of the big news this week. Um, Adrian Broner coming back is a whole other issue. You know, um, Adrian Broner in the amateurs was spectacular. I believe he's the youngest. I believe he's still the youngest fighter to ever um, win four different uh, titles and uh, weight classes. He was, but, but um, he just doesn't throw punches. And I've kind of always felt that ever since he fought Marcos Maidana, he's been reluctant to switch from defense to offense and throw punches because I think he's worried about what's coming back towards him. Yeah. I mean, Uh, his record was impressive, you know, 33 wins, four losses. And those four losses coming to Pacquiao, Mikey Garcia, Maidana and uh, Sean Porter. So those are big names, um, but I, I I don't know. But those are also the only fights in which he stepped up. Because right. if you look back, you can easily say that he lost to Daniel Ponce de Leon. That's the very first time I thought to myself, oh, shit, this guy's not that good. Not as good as like I would expect. He's more and part of it, you have. I don't know why I just yeah. never really liked Adrian Broner. I never liked his style. I just obviously he's excited to watch. I love him. Adrian Broner. <laughs> I don't. Oh, my God. I never did. He's like, uh, he just seems like he's like. Uh, asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's a pain in the ass in the best way because it makes for good TV. But but as far as great him TV. boxing, I I was I was never really into his style. I you know what? Super fast hands, good twitch, um, great. Actually, I think especially at the lower weight classes, um, I think he had really really good power. I think him dropping um, Sean Porter proves it at in the twelfth round. You know, going to the 12th round, being in the round, boom, left hook, drops him. Wow. Sean Porter has an iron chin. Yes, he did. He got Mm -hmm. wiped out the whole fight in the beginning of the 12th round. He knocked him down. Shit. One clean shot. And now, and and I realized, like, holy fuck, this dude's got power. Now, even in the, in the Marcos Maidana fight, Maidana was putting it on him. But towards the very end of the fight, you got to see Broner's character. And that was him pushing forward. So if everyone's always going to remember, Adrian Broner, like taking his first loss, um, not doing the interview after, uh, leaning on like you know his uh, his corner yeah. as he like they're walking him back into the into the locker room and looking like he's gonna cry. But at the very end of that fight, he was actually the one moving forward and trying to punish my daughter. So that 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 did show me something. You know what I mean? Um, I think like the urban community, the way that they uh, gravitated towards him, maybe because of Floyd Mayweather. I think the fact that he so like was so cool with like Rick Ross and certain rappers, he was, this he was culturally appreciated. Yeah, he is wild. He is. 
he like I saw a video like just randomly, you know, going on World like World Star or whatever. It's Adrian Broner going down on the stripper at the strip club. My God. And the bouncers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the fucking bouncers are like, bro, what are you doing? He, Dog, what he's a whole they're mood. like, chill, chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like, what is wrong with this motherfucker that he's doing dumb shit like this? How much time you got? <laughs> You're like, yeah, you can blow money, you go ahead and drink, dude. It's it's your off time. But why are you doing shit like that? Like, that's the whole different type of like that's just like just wild. You know what I mean? And I've actually met him before. He made damn I'm, sure I, to earn the problem nickname. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, you know what I mean? Like, and I think part of like one of the things people don't realize is like part of it is like his upbringing, right? So he has a twin brother, and then they they were stick up kids. They used to like, you know, rob people at gunpoint. That's the reason he has that nickname, the problem. Now, you know, move forward, highly skilled amateur boxer. I think he had over uh, over 300 wins, only 13 losses. At like, he looked like the second coming of a Floyd Mayweather with more offense, at least maybe more like a pretty boy Floyd style, less defense, more Mm -hmm. offense. Um, the switch early on was was really good, but the fir- the very first time I saw, I felt like I saw him step up and he fought Daniel Ponce Leon. I thought he lost that fight, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Because this kid's good, but you know Ponce Leon, he had his own like relatively su- successful career also, and like his blowout of like Jason Litzau, you know. And then he starts moving up these weight classes, and once he hits 140, they're like, "This guy, this guy is the truth. This this guy is real, like really impressive." Um, I always kind of felt like a fight between him and Amir Khan would have been really interesting at like 140. I thought he would have matched up. I thought like at 140 he would have matched up. It would have been really interesting. I know they uh, they were friends or at least they've known each other since they were a real, uh, bit younger. Him and Danny Garcia I thought would have always been a pretty good fight. Um, but once he had the Maidana fight, you know, I, as braggadocious and as outgoing and just it, as in your face as Adrian's always been. Um, even through the losses, he's always like the following has always been there. He's one of the very few fighters who even towards, you know, I'm not going to say the end of his career, but you, I mean, he, he, he does seem like his career's closer to the end than, than it is to his prime. Right. I mean, um, two years would, off. Would, that's some ring rush. He would, yeah. And he would still do about 800,000, at least 800,000 people watching his fights on Showtime or on HBO. Right. Yeah. He still pulls that many people because everyone's so like either you want to see him lose or you want to support him. You want to see him like um, just overcome like the demons and the issues that he's had. And there's that sympathy towards him because some of the shit that he posts even on social media where he's talked about he, you know, like being in dark places um you know, a lot of people that I thought he thought, I believe he thought were friends, took advantage of him and some of the money that he's kind of blown through. Um, you want to see him vindicated. You want to see him succeed because that, that we all have to overcome something. And I think that's one of the reasons that people do tend to root for him. And honestly, when I met him, I met him in, uh, in Ontario. I forgot, uh, I forgot who was fighting at the Citizens Business Bank Arena. I think, man, I think it was like Josito Lopez against, god damn, I can't even remember. Um, but I, he was there at the weigh-in, so I'm I'm walking through the mall, and they were doing the weigh-in actually inside of Dave and Buster's at the mall. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, yeah, so like I'm, I'm walk, I walk through there, 
and I see him, and he's with his camp. Now, he wasn't fighting that weekend, but he was there with his camp. And it was him, um, I believe his daughters, his trainer, and just like a couple of friends. And I'm walking by, and I see him like, oh, wow, shit, you know, that's, that's Adrian Broner. Like, he's literally, they're, they're just eating. And I, I kind of stood there, and his trainer um, realizes that I'm there. And he looks at me, and he goes, would you like a picture? And then I'm oh, I was like, no, dude, I'm actually, I'm a fan. I think he's a highly skilled athlete, and uh, just it's really it's interesting to see him. But but I don't want to bother him. And he goes, oh, you're not bothering anybody. Go ahead, like come up. Adrian stood up. And this is like I, like I said, he's eating, and he has his kids there. And he comes near me, and um, his trainer took a picture of us. And I'm like, I'm all cheesing in the picture. <laughs> and I was like, wow, dude. And I was like, I was like, dude. You know, like I'd like to, I, I would like to see you fight like Lucas Matisse, and he's all who, and I was like, Lucas Matisse, and this is this is back then, this is before he he had any losses. I was like, I would like to see you fight Lucas Matisse or Marcus Maidana, and he kept he kept saying who, but like, he was just fucking with me, you know. He's like who? He goes, oh man, they're nobodies, they're nobodies, you know. <laughs> so I, I chopped, chopped it up with them for at least a couple of minutes, and I was like, wow, dude, like you. You, you seem really cool, dude. You know, I wish you the best. And, you know, like, I will keep following your career. Now, I stepped away and I thought to myself, in person, with no cameras around, he doesn't seem anything like he does on TV. And he, I understand appro- the persona makes things sellable. You know what I mean? So, I, like, that, that, that might have been about nine years ago. So, it, like, it just really stood out to me. And, and I've always like gone back and thought to myself, wow, like he's genuinely seemed like such a nice dude. It, and it, it could very well be just a persona to sell pay-per-views to sell, to market himself. And to, like I said, like, you know, he chose with rappers. He chose with like dudes that have certain like facades and stuff, but he honestly seemed like a really cool, like really cool guy. And I've always, part of me is always rooted for him. And then all the crazy shit, like throwing his change in at Wal- in, in Walmart, <laughs> Saying like, well, maybe I don't need no change. Like, you're in a white beater, <laughs> fucking like some shorts and sandals at Walmart, and you're bragging about not needing change. Why the fuck are you even in Walmart? You're like, what the hell? You're like, <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> that was funny. Like he's just a funny motherfucker. You know, like he posts like, yo, everybody send me thirteen dollars, or like, you know what I mean? Like oh, the IRS trying to get me. <laughs> He put the cash app or like his Venmo and like, what, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. He goes, yo, if like 80,000 people uh, fucking uh, Venmo me or like sell me fucking $13, I'll get the IRS off me. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's like, you know, like it's this shit right there. Like, what are you talking about, dude? You know? And then, you know, like he goes to court and he's all fucking telling the judge that he doesn't have any money. And then like the very next week, he's like posting stuff on social media, like Chain. bragging about you know? <laughs> Yeah, you know, what I mean? it's like, dude. and then he and then he has to go back to court to like explain that. Like, what the fuck? It's so embarrassing. <laughs> like, it is funny, but it's he's crazy. And and like, there's like, dude, losing to Pacquiao, and then having an interview with Jim Gray after, and it like saying like, oh, you guys know I beat him. You know I beat that boy. Like, no, no, you didn't win one fucking round, Adrian. I was rooting for you. I pl- I play his best. Watching that fight with like a few, like, I think it was like a few hundred people, and I was like anybody that was trying to bet like on Pacquiao, I was taking those bets. Man, oh my god, yeah, because 
Adrian Broner's always been an extremely talented fighter. And I'm not saying that he doesn't work in the gym. I think he does plenty of work. But I honestly believe that after the very first Marcos Maidana fight, he was never the same. No, yeah. Something like that can just strip you. I I, I look forward He's to seeing his return. Worried. I really do. If anything, for the entertainment. <laughs> oh, my God. That dude's. And I'm sure, like, it's going to be a gimme fight. It's going to be something that makes him look good. Shake off some of that ring um, rust. It's it's scheduled mm-hmm. to be uh, Michael Rivera. He was he was going to fight Pedro Campa, uh, but he had to drop mm-hmm. because somebody in his camp uh, tested positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, they're looking at Michael Rivera, who we just saw on the um, the Tank Leo Santa Cruz undercard. I think after that fight, because, like, I expect Adrian Broner to win. I think he still has plenty of skills. I think he just has to throw punches. He didn't throw punches against Jesse Vargas. He didn't throw punches against Mikey Garcia. He just doesn't throw enough fucking punches. He has no choice. He, he has to win. February 13th, yeah. he better win. And I think he knows so, that. But, and I think, but I think the reason that... Okay, so let's say he wins. Moving forward, he needs to fight either Regis Progress or if it's going to be at 147, he needs to fight Keith Thurman. Those are the two marquee fights for him. The two fights that I think they'll make him the most amount of money. Shit, yeah. Thurman and him have gone back and forth talking shit to one another for about four or five years now. They just, you know, they just, one was at 140, one was at 147. When Broner was up at 147, he didn't look good. And then he just, he just kind of had just like a uh, lackluster last three, four fights, right? Um, Keith Thurman needs to fight badly. He's out there now clamoring for an Errol Spence fight or a um, a fight with Bud Crawford, but it doesn't look like he's going to get either of them. No. And Regis and Broner over the last year have been spitting fire at each other. That's the one I would like. I think that's that's. But I see Regis I taking. Progress, I, I think yeah, I, I would see him knocking uh, Broner out. Honestly, I think Keith Urban is a better way to to get him some money and generate his buzz before he goes that way. And but the thing is that. Broner's always shown, with the exception of the Maidana fight, a very sturdy chin. Yeah. And the fight between Prograce and Josh Taylor kind of showed, hey, while Regis is good, he's powerful, once once he's not able to knock someone out, he starts having a bit of difficulty. He gets frustrated. Yeah, so I I I, I don't know. I I maybe I just I just hope that Broner uh, looks better than he does, but I do. I do see uh, Progre beating him. I'm just not sure that um, the very best Adrian Broner, if we ever if we got anything close to that, I think would have given Progre a good fight at any point because he's always shown that he has a good chin, he's got fast hands, and he's got really good power. Yeah, I I, I, just, I think we do get a good version of him. I think. Uh... The drugs and drama and everything. I think it's all calmed down. You know, he's he's. I I would see him humbling himself a lot just because he did have to tuck tail. You know what? But I'll say this: Adrian Broner, that was going down on strippers (laughs) on stage, was undefeated. But this maybe he needs to get back to. Dude, he had so many stories that just make you like trip the fuck out. Like, <laughs> releasing his own sex tape. Like, what? What's wrong with you, bro? 
He got sued by those two girls. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. Oh, my God. But he, no matter what, people will tune in. Yeah. And it's maybe just the freak show part of boxing. But I honestly, I, I, I'd love to see him back in the ring. And I would love to see him be successful. It'd be a really good comeback story. He, I think he's a like I said, I mentioned plenty of times. He's a, he's a, his potential. He never met it. Yeah, I agree. He never focused enough to meet that potential. And all the shit that he has going outside of the ring, hopefully that's all gone. Um, he is training with Tank Davis in Florida, so he looked, dude. Uh, he actually just posted a video today. Yeah, um, I saw that. One month out, fucking ripped. So. As long as he lets his hands go, he should be perfectly fine. I look forward to it. Yeah. And then moving forward, so kind of wanted to go over all the rumors and all the talk about uh, a Manny Pacquiao, uh, whether who, who he's going to decide to fight, either a Conor McGregor or an Errol Spence. Now, he shares the same management team now as Conor McGregor, so that's what the big hoopla has been about. Um, McGregor yesterday uh, had an interview, and he said yes, that they have had some conversations about a fight with him and Manny. Um, allegedly for the um, for the welterweight title that uh, Manny took from uh, Keith Thurman, but I I don't know. I, while it's possible, there is a some huge hurdles to go over. So the U- one would be the very first thing would be the UFC allowing McGregor to fight a boxing fight, and I believe he has a fight next weekend in the UFC. He I'm does. not a big MMA, but I believe he's fighting a uh, Poirier for the second time, and Let's say he wins that fight. I'm almost certain that the UFC would rather hold him back and say, hey, no, dude, we're going to have you fight for the title and, you know, defend that a few times and have some really big fights as opposed to going to on the boxing end and having Manny maybe embarrass him. True. So I, I think that's, that's the very first thing. Secondly, obviously, it's going to be the money. Where are they going to get the kind of money if they can't have people in, in, in the stands? The only other place it could do it would probably be in Middle East and Dubai or some shit. And I, I just, I don't, I think they would still need like an audience. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not too sure that happens. And then Pacquiao's actually been saying that ever since he saw um, Errol Spence come back, that he felt that uh, Errol looks slow, that he has an advantage with the speed. They both got good power, but that to him, Errol Spence looks slow. I don't so think Errol that's Spence- the final version of Errol Spence, though. I don't. I think, you think he gets better? I think he gets better. I think the second time he gets better. If he runs it back within enough time, I think he looks better. I also don't think he's here to stay. I think Tim Bradley hit it right on the on the head when he said that he's trying to cash out and maybe leave boxing. Errol Spence? Yeah, I do think that. I would agree with that. And, and that's pretty much just based off the Canel, him saying that he was willing to take a Canelo fight at 160. He's well, basically, they're saying that he's not wanting to split enough money with anybody. He's the show. It, it does look like he's dodging fights. Tim Bradley's a yes man. Look, he's from here from SoCal, not too far from where I live. But Tim Bradley is so pro top rank, it's annoying. It's just, it's really beyond annoying. Uh, I think he has like a really biased opinion when it comes to any of the top rank cards and top rank fighters. I think Errol Spence is the best welterweight right now. I understand that Bud Crawford has jumped up divisions. He's a highly skilled boxer. The problem is he's never fought a real welterweight and looked good. So 
Kelbrook, that's a shell of himself. Kelbrook five years ago, that would have been impressive. Right? Fucking getting dropped by a mean machine. If the mean machine can drop you, Errol Spence can put you out. Getting hurt by a 135-pound Your Yorkis Gamboa doesn't impress me, even though you got the knockout. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like, he's never proven that he's like a legit athlete and dominant fighter at 147 because he hasn't had the level of opposition that, let's say, an Errol Spence has. Spence has proved it over and over and over again against welterweights. Crawford's done it against guys that are either past their prime or have moved up. That's my just sole opinion on it. I'm not saying he's not a skilled fighter. I'm not saying he can't beat Errol Spence. He just so far hasn't shown me anything at 147 that would make me feel like he could just, you know, as many people uh, have suggested, just could pretty much walk through Errol and can either outskill him, outbox him, or outpower him. It just, it, that doesn't, from what I've seen, I, that, it's not, that's not the case. Errol Spence eventually is going to be a 154-pound fighter. I'm not certain that Crawford will move up to 154. You know what I mean? I don't see him moving up that high either. Yeah, I, I don't. And it's just like, okay, so one guy has fought on pay-per-view three straight times, right? Errol Spence has been on pay-per-view three straight, straight times. The one time that Crawford was on pay-per-view, what did he sell? 100,000 pay-per-views. I think it was like anywhere between 90 and 100,000. So skills doesn't always dictate money split. Errol Spence has been proven to be a very good draw. People like to see him fight. He deserves the lion's share of that split. If only because he can attract more viewers. Because he doesn't have to fight, let's say, a Terrence Crawford. I'm sure that a fight between Errol Spence and Keith Thurman would still sell on pay-per-view. Those dudes do not like each other for shit. The only reason they can't make a fight between them is because they actually don't like each other. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I saw an interview with that saying that Errol Spence just did not want to give him any money or any attention because yep. it's a true being. Yeah, because and because he like legitimately chased him. He was calling out Keith Thurman for a couple of years, and for those two years, Keith Thurman said, "Who is this motherfucker? I'm not going to fight him. He brings nothing to the table for me. He's just a young buck." Thurman takes his first loss, doesn't look that good. Has an elbow surgery. You know what I mean? He's looking like a, a little bit weathered. He comes back. At this point, Errol Spence is the king of the division. Now he's like, now, now he wants to fight. Now he wants a chance one to win his titles. And he wants to market himself and, and be successful financially. Okay. At this point, Errol Spence is like, fuck you, dude. You never gave me a chance. You would have never have given me a chance until you were forced to. So why would I give you a chance now? They, who do you want to see him fight right now, then? Errol Spence? Yep. Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao? Yep. I think it's time for him to pass that torch. And hey, if Pacquiao genuinely... And dude, when Pacquiao beat Thurman, again, I fucking... <laughs> I'm going to get labeled uh, as a Pacquiao hater, but I, I thought Thurman was going to beat him. And to be honest with you, looking back at that fight, I thought the fight was closer than people really felt it was. So the early knockdown... I think threw Thurman's game completely off. I thought towards the middle and towards the end of the fight, Thurman really like bit down, landed some good right hands, and worked himself back into the fight. I had him losing a close fight, but he still lost the fight. So I, like, part of me is like, wow, Manny still kind of has it. He still has good speed. 
He's got good power. It's just, can Errol touch that chin? Here's the big problem. Errol Spence sometimes focuses too much on his aggressiveness and gets touched more than he needs to be. I have never seen him rock, though. No, you've, ne- you've never, yeah, yeah, I've never, well, actually, um, uh, who was it, uh, Ocampo? Who, who was the kid he knocked out in, like, in the first round, first, second round? Was it Ocampo? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, so he actually ended a good shot that, I wouldn't say stumbled, Errol, but, you know what I mean, kind of, like, shook those legs a little bit. Uh, so Errol Spence, actually, he, like, he's taken a shot before that kind of, you were like, oh, wow, you know, you got, got that reaction from the crowd. Yeah. But I just, I think he believes so much in his power and in, on his sturdiness. I, I saw an interview with him where he said he doesn't lift any weights. I couldn't fucking believe um, it. Yeah, neither does Virgil Ortiz. Yeah, that I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And in a year, from, a year from now, I would love to see Virgil Ortiz against Errol Spence. Oh, shit, yeah. I mean, but th- this, you will never, I will never pick anybody over Virgil Ortiz. I am going to be such a biased asshole. I am Team Ortiz all day. Yeah, the, the kids got the the goods, but he also he himself sometimes focuses just a little way too much on his uh, aggressiveness. Because you, you see how excited he gets once he gets someone hurt. Killer instinct, and, baby. You know, I'm here for but, it but, all day. But, but you've seen him countered a few times, and part of you worry is like, hey, against an elite fighter, against you know like um, Ennis. Again, you know, like some of these other young cats coming up, they're pretty solid. So I, I just, I don't, I'm not sure. I I have Virgil I like comfortably Virgil. against anyone right now. The only one that I, well, obviously Errol Spence, but I think the only other one that I would be like, oh shit, it is Jerron uh, Boots Ennis. I, I, yeah. I, I want to see more from him and it sucks that he's over on, on the side where he does, he doesn't get to fight anybody good. Yeah, you know, it's just scrub but, after scrub, but he he really is but I, good. I I think their vision is to match them up eventually once they both become stars. I I think Golden Boy really wants to push to have that fight made eventually. Virgil Ortiz is an extremely talented fighter. I just almost wish he had a bigger persona. I I I get it, like that he was more marketable, but he's I don't know. I like where he's at. Just as humble as, as he can be, smart inside and outside of the ring. I could see him making millions and millions of dollars and still just being very, very chill, not flashy. Yeah, he's he's I, I, very laid back. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, he's a contender now. Like he, he just. It's going to be difficult to bring some of those um, titles back to the Golden Boy side, to the DAZN side. Um, everything's either with PBC and then you got Crawford with the other title. So I, I think it's something we have to kind of look out for. Um, can they have like these cross platform fights? Because I think an Errol Spence fight against a Virgil Ortiz in about a year, let's say everything goes back to normal a year from now. Mm-hmm. That's a huge pay-per-view fight. And they're both from Dallas. So we're selling out the Cowboy yeah. stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So an Hispanic, a Mexican American against, you know, a young African American fighter. It just it has race and then both and yeah and 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 them both being aggressive is just as important as their um, heritage and nationality. I think that's such a huge sales effect. Look, you're gonna get two dudes that are gonna try and knock each other's heads off, 
And both guys have so far looked like they've got really good chins. Both of them seem like, hey, at times, uh, their weakness is just not having enough defense. But they believe in themselves. They believe they can take a punch, and they just feel like they're going to be the one that knocks the other opponent out. That's it. But I, I got – man, it's hard for me to choose anybody over Spence right now. It's hard for me to choose he, anyone over Ortiz, so. Yeah. If, they, if they fought – oh, man, I, I just it's – exci- it's exciting because part of me is like – like right now I can't say 50-50. I think Spence is the absolute class of the division. But I think a year from now, like Ortiz still has some growing to do as a fighter, his skill set, everything. And right there at the RGBA, all that kind of sparring he gets is only going to make him better. Oh, yeah. Um, so moving from these welterweights to some of the legends, there's been a Julio Cesar, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. claims he would have beat Floyd Jr. At his prime, right? Right. I at one thirty-five. Uh, let's say Chavez Senior one thirty-five against Floyd at one thirty-five. I got Senior all day. Uh, as we're speaking, I'm wearing a Julio Cesar Chavez Junior shirt. I mean, uh, not Junior, ill, uh, Senior. Senior. Okay. Senior. Cool. No, I can't stand his son. Holy it, shit. Um, it, but okay. it's good to it's good it's good to know you're covered up today. Um <laughs> smart ass. So Cedar at one thirty five is one of the best fighters I've ever seen. Yep. He never gets he never gets credit for his boxing ability, for his head movement, or for his defense. He didn't get touched as much as people thought he did, not in his prime. Floyd Jr. at one thirty was his best. What is that his best? At one, at, even at 140, I don't think too highly of uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. I, I, I just at 130, pretty boy Floyd, he he was that dude. Like he was that bad mother. Like dropping Corrales five times, you know, like yeah. he, dude, he was special. Just one of the amazing. But at 135, I got senior all day. Very few fighters I would choose over senior at 135. Um, Roberto Duran, maybe being uh, Roberto Duran. Uh, fuck, dude. I, I think he even beats Mosley at 135. Oh, yeah. And and to me, to me, Mo- Mosley was one of the greatest lightweights of all time, starting again, beginning his career at 34 and 32 knockouts. Crazy impressive. But senior, I think the type of grit he had, right? Like the shit that you that they've made legends out of, like the chewing the, the hot peppers between fights or before fights. Like being in the locker room, literally like chewing on chilies and having that kind of mindset. Like, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to go to war. Like, literally toughening himself out <laughs> before he knows he's about to go through hell. There, there are very few fighters with, I think, that kind of tenacity in the history of the sport. And even, but his and skills it's, it's are a natural gift because he came back recently in his old age and it was still a feisty fight. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the going dude. for the grave of warrior. There's, that's I think the definition of special. When it comes to boxing, Chavez Senior is the epitome of what being a special fighter is. Floyd is going to go down in history. Some people are like wrongfully believe that he's the greatest of all time, but that's their opinion. Right. 
I and I but agree. Mike, thing, Mike Tyson agrees. <laughs> yeah, no, the Chavez Senior was just amazing. But you know, like you could go back and and criticize everybody's career, right? So you could say, okay, well, like why would you think that a senior when he lost to Frankie Randall? Well, that that senior was the one that was boning uh, Salma Hayek, doing coke and fucking drinking in between fights, during fights. You know what I mean? Like that was the very unfocused uh, Chavez Senior. Floyd Mayweather has never, I think allowed the outside distractions to kind of like, you know what I mean? To influence his fights. But the very first uh, fight between um, Floyd and Castillo, I had Castillo winning not easily, but clearly, even though uh, Homeboy had a broken hand. So Floyd did break his hand. It was an issue where he's had multiple surgeries on the same hand. Um, it's the main reason why he, why he fought exclusively in Las Vegas. So, <laughs> Are, I just, are, I don't what, is, what is the reason for Vegas? Are they able to use like a steroids in the hands or anything like an injection? Yeah, the, the, the hand, the, yes, the okay. hand, the hand numbing injections. Okay. So that that's specifically the reason I believe that he selectively fought there, not just because. I mean, I mean, this is this is before um, Money Mayweather. You know what I mean? Like this is him. I think choosing that because it was to his benefit. Now I'm not saying like I don't believe. Um, you know, Floyd Jr. ever took any uh, any kind of PDs or anything like that. But I mean, that that is an advantage to be able to like numb your hands, knowing that you could easily hurt them. And he's like, it's been reported through his whole career. That's what happened. Was um, this what happened with uh, Lomachenko Lopez uh, and the shoulder? Also, uh, why man, it had to be in Vegas? Lomachenko is just full of shit, man. It's just like, but, dude's an amazing fighter. Was he fighter. able to use steroids though in his shoulder for that fight? Uh, I I don't know anything about him using uh, steroids, but um, Floyd didn't use steroids in his hand. It's a it's a whole different it's a whole different thing. It's just a numbing agent. Um, but I I don't know. I I think Lomachenko like Lomachenko can't come back, um, you know, a year ago, and say, oh, my shoulder's all better. Had the surgery. See, that's why that's why I didn't knock out a certain opponent. And then he goes into into the tail fight, and then he loses. And all of a sudden, he's got a shoulder injury again. No, nah, dude, come on. Let, 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 let. Give credit where it's due. Take your loss, and then you'll be fine. Because it, it just, you know, right after the fight. So, like, I'd say, like, a few days later, they were like, okay, like, so when when uh, were you going to have the surgery? And then he was like, oh, like, then there's, like, a week later where he posts, like, a picture. And it's like, oh, well, I see, I was hurt. I'm like, no, dude, get out of here. Get, get the fuck out of here. Stop. What fighter steps into the ring and is... Honestly, a fully 100%. It's extremely rare that guys don't have any issues that come up. Tail himself said, yo, I, got a, I had a foot injury. I, I had like, I had a rib injury like during, uh, during camp. But you don't say that shit. Like you go in there and you fight, you take your loss like a man, that's it. No fighter, I think, genuinely goes into the ring and is, like, is fully 100%. Yeah, it's very rare. So, yeah, so, yeah, so using that as an excuse isn't really, it's not, it's not fair. But yeah, um, I like I got I got senior with Floyd all day. Um, that's at one thirty five though. One like let's say for some whatever reason at one forty seven. Oh no, man, Floyd was no. just way too skilled. Um, a completely different type of fighter than he was when he was a uh, pretty boy Floyd than when he became you know the persona of Money Mayweather. I think one was 
the benefit of having a more of aggressive type of Floyd as opposed to the Floyd that, Defense you know, realized that his hands, yeah, that he had plenty of hand injuries and that um, the shoulder roll was just going to benefit him and that he was going to work it into perfection. But even the fight against like a Marcos Maidana, it was a close fight. I, 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 I thought Maidana won that one. I, th- I thought so too, but you know, it, it's one of those things where I, it's not as important now. I think that time has passed. It's a fact that Floyd took that fight and then he w- did win that fight. Then he goes back and he says, fuck it, I'll fight him again. Because if you guys thought it was close, up. you guys thought it was a close. I, I you, respected you know what I mean? like, that. Yeah, because I, I, yeah. I had Madonna winning the first one. And, and the second one, no, Floyd Floyd took over. And that was that. And to me, that, that shows his kind of character, right? So, you know, he had that fight with Castillo again. Hey, let's run it back then. There was no reason for him to, like, forcefully have those rematches. But he chose because I think he felt, well, let me, let me, pr- let me show people. Like, I, I, like, I'm a fighter. He comes from a fighting family. Everyone, like his dad, uh, his uncle, extremely talented, like not just talented trainers, but, you know, the Black Mamba, he was something else too. I just, I think that he inherited that kind of fighting spirit and that kind of drive. And the only reason he was as, as successful as he was, was because the dude didn't fuck around. He wasn't ballooning up and waiting between fights. No. He wasn't. Even you know, now, like, years after retirement, he still looks the same. Uh, kind of. <laughs> uh, he still looks the same. When he bit it, when, when when he beat up that Japanese kid over there, um, nah, he didn't. He didn't look. That didn't look like Floyd. But then, but what are we expecting? You know. Well, weight wise. No, I know. He remember he looked all like all, a little flabby. Well, not just a little. Like he he didn't look like Floyd. It looked like like a Floyd you would order like off Amazon or Wish. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. It was it was a completely different type of fighter, but to his credit, when he was an like an active elite championship boxer, oh no, there, uh, there was no one I think that took care of themselves in between fights the way he did, with the exception maybe of Bernard Hopkins. But yeah, Floyd Floyd's just something else. Um, you got any last thoughts on Senior against Floyd? None. Senior all none. Oh, okay, so you know actually we. We talked about him, but we didn't talk about his upcoming fight. So Maurice Hooker, Virgil Ortiz, set in stone. In March 27th, Dallas. Yep. You going to be hey, able to make it out there? That, that, that's a really good shit. I wish. I got kids. I got a job. Um, <laughs> Same. I'm ditching them all. Oh, I fuck, have my yeah. priorities straight, man. <laughs> yeah, I do. I guess I do not. Um, I guess he... That's a really good step up fight for Ortiz because one can claim that the reason Hooker one he was really effective at 140. Um, he did have that firefight with Jose Ramirez, but he might look even better at 147. The dude was killing himself to make 140. He was supposed to remember have that fight with Regis Progress, but he couldn't. He couldn't cut down to 140. They tried to do 142. Um, when it was time for him to weigh in, he was like. Negoti- try to negotiate 143, 144. And then after a few months, Eddie Hearn got tired of it. Regis people got tired of it and they were like, fuck it. And he kind of got um, blackballed on the uh, zone and everything else. So Hooker, Ortiz, I got Ortiz winning, but I got some, I, I think that Maurice is going to be able to scare, not scare him, but scare us boxing fans and Ortiz followers. Yep. And I will be there live and in person and watching it live is, is, 
a lot more anxiety, especially because again, I'm yeah. always going to be going for Virgin Ortiz. But oh, yeah, and Maurice Hooker has an 80 inch reach advantage, which is insane. I mean, well, he has 80 inch reach. That's insane. But yeah, dudes. I mean, he's tall. He's lanky. Um, I think from what like I think the move up is going to benefit him. So I, I honestly believe that he's going to give Virgil Ortiz a really tough fight. I think until Virgil Ortiz maybe in the eighth or ninth takes him out. Okay, so you got so you got Virgil in the eighth or ninth. Yeah. Okay. I, I got you know mid to late stoppage by uh, Virgil. All right. But I, I think I think Hooker's going to give him a hell of a fight, especially early on. Yep. I think it's going to throw. I think his speed is going to throw Ortiz off. And I think like like the reach also. Yeah, eighty inches is crazy. Um, but All right. I got I got Ortiz though. I know, I know. And then you look. We don't want to hear about how fucking Texas has unlimited seating at fights, uh-huh. and you guys could go it's see shit live. Awesome! I'm gonna drive there. I'm living my best life. Oh, that shit's fucking. <laughs> they look. We need to start opening shit up in California. But I miss going to fights. I'm just not certain that I'm ready to go to a fight during this whole pandemic thing. I think a lot of people, like, hopefully, you know, these vaccines, if people decide to take them, I think uh, hopefully the end is near when it comes to this whole pandemic. But I would love to go see a fight. I'm getting really annoyed the fact that you guys are taking all of California or Vegas fights. I'm having the best time. I'm sure you are, but... Most of us normal people that live in cool, normal states, not in fucking Texas, miss our fights. We deserve to have our fights. We deserve to have Chocolatito uh, Estrada in California at hopefully either Staples Center or in Carson. We, we are don't want happy to keep the seat warm over here. <laughs> yeah, you guys fucking that's uh, it's been frustrating. Not but- for me. I, yeah, not yet, not for you. But you know what? Then again, I I would rather have fights than not have them. Right. So yeah. just, I'm just gonna be bitter and salty and fucking keep hoping that uh, things get better, so we we're able to watch fights live. Yeah, but the sooner this shit is over with, the better. Yeah. Now, you are not gonna have much input on this, if any whatsoever. At all. But I'm gonna bears. go over the the Bears aren't even in the playoffs anymore. You see, that's how much I know. Okay, so we have four games this weekend. We have the Bills against the Ravens, the Chiefs against the Browns, the Rams against the Packers, and the Bucks against the Saints. Um, I'm a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. Bills Mafia for life. I fuck with Josh Allen. He's the dude from California, but, um, you know, the Ravens are hot. The Ravens have, uh, I think, six straight wins. Buffalo has seven straight wins. We They are the leading team with um, consecutive wins uh, in all of football, so I have the Bills winning a close game uh, at Buffalo. I'm going to say 24-21 Buffalo. I think the snow is going to affect Lamar Jackson. The last time they faced each other, Lamar Jackson got held to like 200 yards. So that's pretty impressive. Um, Interestingly enough, the Chiefs games against the Browns, I think is going to be a lot better than people think. The Chiefs have looked uh, not as good as they've normally been. So... They are going to have that that weak box, so I think they're going to be a little bit rusty. And I think if the Browns manage to put up points early, they'll take the win. But 
I'm still going to go with the Chiefs uh, in a high-scoring game because I think at times both teams don't play defense. So I'll go Chiefs 31-24, and then the Rams and Packers, right? So the Rams, ah, man, I, they just they have an issue when it comes to the quarterback uh, against probably the best active quarterback right now in Aaron Rodgers. I got the Packers winning that. I'm going to say uh, 28 20. So I'll probably just, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. And then the most interesting game, I think, of all of them, if you're not a Bills fan like myself, is going to be the Bucks and the Saints because you have the two oldest dudes in football playing against each other at the most uh, important position, the quarterback. So we have Tom Brady against Drew Brees. Drew Brees got that fucked up um, broken ribs and, the, you know, pretty much collapsed lung. And then Tom Brady's the old dude that throws lots of check down passes. I hate Tom Brady. I've hated him my whole fucking life. One, because he played against the Bills for so long. So I'm actually going to go for the Saints. I think the run game with Alvin Kamara is going to really be impressive. I, I'm not sure that Antonio Brown's going to be able to uh, score too well for the Bucks. So I'm going to go Saints, hopefully, hopefully in a blowout because they've already won the first two games. So let's go Saints. Uh, I'll do 28-17 Saints. So I'm gonna take all your numbers and head to a bookie. Hey, if you lose money, uh, <laughs> you know what? Don't I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I'm a, like I said, my picks are somewhat biased because I'm a Bills fan. So I'd love to see us go to the Super Bowl. I did make this promise that if the Bills managed to even make it to the Super Bowl, I wasn't gonna shave for a whole year. Um, so I'm so like so far I'm three months in. And I would tack on another uh, year until the following Super Bowl. It, it, I man, if we win the Super Bowl, fuck, I'll, I'll I'll go insane. I'll literally like, I'll jump off probably my roof onto like a folding table, like most of the Bills mafia <laughs> fucks with. So if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen any of those videos of the Bills fans jumping and throwing themselves on tables, just turn on ridiculousness. Yeah, just pretty much. Our team was so bad for so long that the best part of being a Bills fan was getting fucked up before the game <laughs> and throwing yourself on destroying tables because there was just you were just going to be sad watching us lose blowouts in seasons where we only won three games out of 16. So it's just, like I said, Bills Mafia for life. Let's go Bills. Well, there's that. Now, are, they, are there any fans in the, the football stadiums? At Buffalo, yes. Okay. So it's Buffalo yes, allowed six thousand seven hundred fans. Yes, yeah, so Buffalo did allow um six uh, almost seven thousand fans for the last game, and it was the first time all year that anyone in New York got to play uh at home. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, so there they'll be fans uh this uh, coming week, and we have home field advantage. And right now it's snowing in Buffalo, so <laughs> I think it. I mean, it helps against a team that plays in the dome. So that's uh. I'm really hoping for the Bills to at least get to face either the Chiefs or the Browns. More than likely the Chiefs. And if we can somehow win that game because we did face the Chiefs earlier in the season and it was a relatively close game, um, a loss that we took. But hopefully moving forward, the Bills stay in form and we're able to get there and I will be the most annoying person in the world screaming, let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. That's it. That's it for me. You got anything? Nope. That's it. 
All right. So thank you for everybody who listens, likes, subscribes, rates, shares, just uh, supports. This is Boxing and Bullshit. I'm your host, Alex Diaz, along with Nexus. It's good talking to you. All right. (laughs) Everybody. Take care. Have a good night. You too.